This is the Glop Podcast, and this episode of Glop is brought to you by Athletic Greens, and I'm Rob Long, and here's why I'm doing the Athletic Greens spot, because I use Athletic Greens every single day. I started taking it because I heard uh, um, Tim Ferriss talk about it on his podcast, and I thought I wanted to try it. I didn't really like taking a pill every day. I didn't really like uh, taking a handful of pills and all that stuff. I didn't really want to do all that. I wanted just something fast and easy and delicious. And now I have it. I've been doing it for two or three years. It tastes great. It doesn't taste like it's a super healthy, bitter, uh, powdery drink. It doesn't taste too sweet. It has a kind of a mild tropical taste. And I look forward to it every day. So what is it? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens One, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This is a special blend of ingredients and supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, everything. So I've incorporated, I kind of, I, you know, you sp- ideally you take it every morning, but I don't take it every morning. Sometimes I take it in the afternoon. Sometimes I take it kind of a lift when I'm hungry, it's a snack. I do it, but I do it every single day. It tastes great. I travel with it, but I also get the little packets. They sell it in little packets. I, I advise you to get that. It's so much easier to do. You just It mixes really easy. You just put it in the jar and you shake it and it's delicious. Um, when I miss it or I feel like I probably didn't eat that well today, sometimes I do two a day. Uh, it is all, I never regret it. It's always the thing to do. It's lifestyle friendly. So whether you're eating keto or paleo or vegan or dairy-free or gluten-free or like me, you just eat everything. This is a great addition. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still takes grace. It's uh, got a small micro habit that you can develop and it has big benefits. It's the one thing you can do every single day or sometimes twice a day for me to take great care of yourself. And also, it comes with the year supply of vitamin D, which is really important to add into those winter months when we don't get as much sunlight. And also, vitamin D apparently is a really good thing to take uh, now that COVID's uh, spreading around. Um, it costs less than $3 a day, so you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than a cold brew or a coffee habit. And as I said, in the afternoon, it, it's exactly what I want. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews, so check it out. It's re- recommended by professional athletes and, of course, Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. That's how I found out about it. It's climate-neutral certified company, and in two- 2020, it purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old-growth rainforests. So, you know, you can feel good if you're into that. And in 2020, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to kids, uh, which is a nice thing. You know, why not? Um, so right now it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Just one scoop or get them in the packets. That's what I do. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash glop. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash glop to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I know you'll like it just like I do. And now on with the show. What? Oh, no. No. What? I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> Oh, 
Twitter is not the real world. And in fact, on Twitter, it is predominantly straight white men. So when Elon Musk says, wow, this is about free speech, it seems to me that it's about free speech of straight white men. And so let them have it. It's the end of April. This is the Glop Culture Podcast. I'm John Podhoritz. With me, as always, Rob Long. Hi, Rob. Hi, John. How are you? I'm well. And Jonah Goldberg, of course. Hi, Jonah. Hey, John. Can I say something, John? Yes. That um, you're doing this from a different location than you ordinarily do? I'm doing this from an undisclosed location, yes. Right. But if you... uh, And and, uh, people obviously aren't watching this. But were they watching it, the T-shirt that I hope you're wearing... Yes. Is a flesh colored, which makes yeah. it look like you're doing this shirtless. Yeah, I, and I'm not complaining. No, I was I, I, panning down is not what I was looking for. I was <laughs> showing I, you that the t-shirt has, so a, has me, a logo, as the kids say. Sure, that's not a tattoo. <laughs> you're giving Madison Cawthorn right now. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> gee, thanks. So they just I got mean, a there is, there is no angle on which that. That to me is a compliment. It, it is is anything but a horrible uh, slander. Sort of like the slander uh, Amber Heard is uh, uh, perhaps guilty of in relation to Johnny Depp. You know, the big news today is that the op-ed that is the source of Johnny Depp's now second uh, lawsuit for defamation against his ex-wife Amber Heard, it turns out, was drafted for her by the ACLU. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, she didn't write it. Uh, and uh, she apparently, they kind of sl- found her to be the representative for this, thinking that it would be a good career move for her. Um, apparently not a good career move because uh, despite the fact that she won the first, or, you know, she, death did not prevail in the in the lawsuit in, in England, uh, she her career has not flourished in in Hollywood uh, since the publication of the of the op ed in Wait, which so she that- said she was a vi- she was a victim of domestic abuse. If you're following this trial, whatever you think of Johnny Depp, and he seems like a very unpleasant person with a drinking problem and all kinds of things. Uh, wait, wait, so wait, help me out. So we, the, the ACLU drafted the Depp is what? It doesn't seem like so. They're in talent management now. Her op-ed. Her op-ed. The op-ed that is the source of her. They do that that free. The source of her allegation. Because you know you pay people PMK. You pay the you know crisis PR people. um, You know Alan Mayer. You pay seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or something, or orchestrated some massive donation. And it's funny when I when I saw that crisis um, PR they call it. I had listened to. um, yeah, but crisis PR is different because the allegation is that she made up the allegation to create a fake crisis to help her career. But like I had just earlier that day had listened to the commentary podcast and talking about crisis PR theme, and John, John had hit a theme that, you know, I've been banging my spoon in my high chair about for, for years now about institutions not staying in their lane. And like, and John made the perfectly valid point. I've made it myself a bunch of times about how, you know, the ACLU used to have a very strict vision of what it was about. It was protecting First Amendment freedoms, also Fourth Amendment, you know, and Fifth Amendment. But like, First Amendment was its right. ballywick, and 
And now it's more about like transgender rights and whatever, not saying that transgender rights aren't or are important. That's not the point. It's just like ACLU, you don't have to get in that fight. And like, I agree with John entirely. And then <laughs> you see that not only are they getting into transgender rights, they're doing ghost op-eds for Hollywood stars to help them boost their careers. And it is just so mind-bogglingly corrupt to me that 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 they're sort of in on that kind of game. It's so and, funny. Remember, as, the like husband a, of, just that, as the husband yeah. of a professional speechwriter, I know for a yeah. fact they could have gotten that op-ed written better and cheaper <laughs> elsewhere. And right, but, and in, guess, in the free market rather than nonprofit. Yeah, and, yeah, and guess guess where a lot of that money for the ACLU came from? Elon Musk. From Elon Musk, who was her boyfriend after she broke up with, you know, with Johnny Depp. And um, I suppose you think this is all a coincidence, don't you, Bertz? I not only do I not only do I not think it's a coincidence. I, I think basically that there are only eleven people in the world, and we just keep discussing them <laughs> over and over and over again in different you know iterations, which is also part of the people not staying in their lane. Like, Here's how I make all decisions, moral and otherwise. Uh. If I've had an encounter with one of the people involved and it was pleasant, I'm on their side. I mean, that is this, a really I, bad, bad. Yeah, you know what? It hasn't steered me wrong. <laughs> hasn't steered me wrong. I'm in a cigar shop in uh, Manhattan on Sixth Avenue. And I got a cigar and I have the afternoon. And I go and sit in the cigar area. And I'm sitting down, and next to me is a person of many with many m- many jewels, ju- jewelry, lots of jewelry. You could say they were bejeweled. They were bejeweled and bedazzled. Um, and I look over, and it's a. I, at first, I think it's like it's a guy who wants to look a lot like Johnny Depp, but maybe he should lay off the carbs, you know? Yeah. And he looked more like Johnny Depp. And then I realized, oh no, it's Johnny Depp. He just. This is Johnny Depp. This is, you know, which usually happens when you meet somebody. And, um, but I'm like being cool. I'm just doing my crossword puzzle and smoking my cigar. He's on his phone and stuff. Uh, I have two bottles of water there and, um, I open one, I'm drinking it. And then he, uh, says to me, excuse me, can I, is it okay if I, can I have that water? It's like, of course, of course. He goes, thank you so much. I said, yeah, he goes, they don't, can't sell it here. You got to bring it in. But you're working him, the Lone Ranger alone. You could have yeah, more. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go back to my thing and uh and then we're like friends now because we're you know sitting with so having a cigar and uh and then now you broke in the ice. Now we're basically on an airplane together, sitting side by side. And um and that was that. We had a nice inter- exchange and he was very pleasant and he I could have said no. I didn't say no. Um I wouldn't have said no. It wasn't because he was a big star. I, but here's what I didn't do. I didn't tell him what I wanted to say, which is, you know, we've met before about 30 years ago uh, when you were um, before 21 Jump Street. Uh, and you won't remember it, but we did. We had a little meeting. And, but I didn't say that. So basically, I'm 100% on I'm, I'm hashtag Team Johnny. But I, that's how I'm making my decision. So I don't have to watch the trial or whatever it is because i've already made up my mind have you met like i don't know have you like i'll give you an example i as a brand new 
spanking uh, writer at the at National Review. Yeah, um, I get invited to a I can't remember what it was a book party um, yeah, for like the Wall Street Journal, some Wall Street Journal writer. Right, and that's where I met all sorts of famous people sure. in our line of work for the first time. Right, right, and then. Because I did, oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't for National Review. It was when I was still working for Ben Wattenberg. And I went to this book party. And I uh, I shook Vladimir Posner's hand. Oh. And I got to say, I don't follow the Rob Long rule because I'm not on his side. Um, he was pleasant to me, but he's a defender of horrible things. And I, like, I wish I had never shaken his hand. I mean, have you met any hmm. war criminals? That were pleasant with you? Yeah, but Johnny Depp isn't bad. No, 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 no. I'm not saying okay. Johnny Depp, but he says <laughs> I mean, he maybe he is bad. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't that's know. What, that's I, don't know if, I don't think I've but met any suspends, He suspends judgment the moment they're I mean, Henry Kissinger. Does Henry Kissinger count? Can I tell you my... I, here's my experience, and Rob, you spend your life dealing with famous people so my experience of, of of very famous people is uh uh they're often extremely boring because when you talk to them for a while um they are used to people letting them go on because they have right. camp followers so i was once at a party and tim robbins was there and this was actually when tim robbins was still very very famous and he'd he'd either just won an oscar or whatever and he was a movie director and a right and he won an and oscar he won Bob an oscar Roberts? for mystic river one of the least deserved oscars ever oh, ever wow. given out we've discussed that topic before but uh but crashed is worse american yes. movies worse what well, no, sure, no, sure, no 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 he he that is tim robbins's performance was so awful in mystic river it was like it was like one of those words it was so awful that it won awards because it was it, because it was so over the top and awful anyway so we're at this party i'm inclined not to like tim robbins anyway because he's very left-wing and you know sort of like a suck up to the sandinistas and whatever but, uh, you know, he doesn't know who I am, and we're having a conversation. He starts telling me about how he lives near Washington Square Park, and there's this tree in Washington Square Park. And it turns out that in the, it's a tree where they used to hang people in the 19th century, and he did a lot of research on this tree and who was hanged in the tree. And after about 20 minutes, I wanted to jump out the window. Like, he wouldn't right. stop. And it was clear to me that he had never had the experience of anybody saying, I, I I have to I, go over that. I, I literally I, don't have time for this. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what? Why do you? Did I ask? Did I ask? <laughs> yeah, you, did you right. see any interesting trees today, Tim? But I mean, that's not that's not an entirely uncommon experience. Uh, I think with people who are used to being the sort of people, right? Who's close, I'm, confident? Yeah. The people that they deal with. Uh, aren't really equals and therefore they can just say whatever they want for as long as they want and everybody's nodding because they're kind of on the payroll somebody was telling me once i was somewhere and was they're talking about like um they said something like i don't know where i was like uh, somewhere um something weird about jennifer aniston i don't know what it was it's like something negative in some way I, I even forget like just some like random bitchy comments on people make less love. give me their names <laughs> yeah and i said that's ridiculous Jennifer is a really nice person. 
And they suddenly, oh, I'm sorry. You, oh, you, you, I guess you know her. Like, you know, people just assume, like, you, I must know her. I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, well, how, how do you know her? Like, are you friends with her? Like, no, I was just sitting outside a Japanese restaurant in Malibu once with my dog <laughs> after coming back from the beach, and she was really nice to my dog for 10 minutes. And then I left. So I like her. So she's nice. So shut up. Did I tell you already here? Did I already do a glop uh, anecdote, a glop anecdote um, on when Jake Gyllenhaal made gonna, you cry? We're, we're, no, no, Jake Gyllenhaal made you cry. I want to hear cry? the story, but I want to be I want to be on record. Day one, moment one. <laughs> we are not incorporating glopic note. Glopic note. Glopic note. Not happening. It's not happening. Okay. Okay. So here's my glopic note. Yeah. Dear God. Um. Uh. I. Well. I. My. My first dog. Uh, was one this incredibly princely dog named Cohiba, and uh, he uh, was ha- had uh, uh, lung cancer, um, and uh, which I was not handling well, and uh, so I was like, you know, basically living in a delusional fantasy where he was going to be magically cured of it if I took him to the vet enough times, and um, so, but I'm, you know, it's like I, he's essentially in his final month, and um, I'm kind of walking around. He's a little weak, but he still wants to go out, and so we're walking around, and I'm going meet brunch, meet uh, friends. Meet bre- friends for brunch up the street from me in Venice, and uh, which I'd done a million times. I'd time up outside and sit in the, inside just in the window, and um, and he would just sort of curl up and sit and watch people go by. He liked that. And so I bring him there, and I'm a little early, and so I'm waiting outside for him with him for my friends to arrive. And uh, and then Jake Gyllenhaal comes up, and he's um, also a dog lover, and he's meeting a friend of his, and he's a little early, and he has his dog who's young. And he's telling me how much he loves my dog, how, how handsome my dog is. So I'm already like into Jake. And then he says, he's skinny though. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's sick. And he says, what, what's he got? And then I say, he has, he has cancer. And then he looks at me like thunderstruck <laughs> as only a dog lover can. He goes, he's going to be okay, right? <laughs> and I say, um, no, I, don't, I actually don't think he is. And I just like, it just hit me by saying it to Jake Gyllenhaal. It made it real. Because uh, you can't lie to Jake Gyllenhaal, and I no, start, cry- I start crying, like not, not like sobbing, but you can see that I'm, like something's happening emotionally to me, and I'm like crying, and there, that's when I realized that behind the me, behind us, on the other side, there's a big window in the window in the restaurant, and there are these girls having brunch by them by as a girls' brunch, and all they know is like this the heartthrob movie heartthrob Jake Gyllenhaal is talking to some weirdo, and the weirdo is now crying. And they don't know what happened between the two of us or why this dude is crying. And, and Jake is just, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Now he's like consoling me. And it's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. You know, just, and I stopped. But it's like, it's okay. You know, it's just, it's hard, obviously. He goes, yeah, man, it's really hard. It's really hard. You love him so much. I mean, yeah, you love him so much. And then, um, then my friends arrive. And then um, he says, does, does he want anything to eat? And I said, well, listen, I've been trying to feed him. He doesn't eat. Eating is hard. And then I go in and sit with my friends. And the girls are like just staring at me. And like they're all, they're not even talking at their table. They're just looking at me and looking at Jake outside and looking at me and looking at him and try to figure this out. And he then orders bacon, which they bring out to him because it's, he's Jake Gyllenhaal. And then it might, he's feeding my dog with bacon because <laughs> he just wants to do something. And, and every time my dog eats bacon, he comes into the restaurant and says, Hey, Hey, he ate, he ate some bacon. And then the girls are like, this is insane. They can't, to this day, I'm sure they're, this is the, mis- the most mysterious brunch they ever had. But I 
said right then that if this person is ever nominated for an award that I have any influence over, I will campaign relentlessly for him. Interestingly, Jake Gyllenhaal and Jennifer Aniston, of course, co-starred in a movie called The Good Girl. Sure. Uh, Great directed, movie. Written by Mike White. 100% uh, behind that movie. Uh, it's a very good movie. And written by Mike White. And Mike White is... Uh, uh, the easily the nicest person I've ever known in show business is Molly Shannon and Mike White. Molly Shannon is very close with Mike White and Molly Shannon is an absolutely lovely person in he every is. possible way. And so there we have the Jake Gyllenhaal. So there uh, are nice Jennifer people. Jennifer Aniston. That's right. There are nice people. I don't think Amber uh, Heard is one of them. I'm pretty sure that Johnny Depp isn't really. Uh, isn't really one of them either, and Vladimir Posner certainly isn't yes. isn't isn't one of them. I've never been steered. My, my, I'm telling you, my rule has never steered me wrong. The same. What karma you're inviting with that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know who's, who's probably a, a really really nice person. Who's that, John? You know, it's probably a really nice person. I'm not talking about once again. I'm not talking about the pitcher. I'm talking about Tommy John. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy John, because as you know, listen, you know, summer's coming, and if you can't take the heat, get out of your old stifling underwear. The only way to play cool this summer is with Tommy John, because when you're Tommy John, you're that much cooler, so you can do everything better thanks to breathable, lightweight fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands with dozens of comfort innovations. Tommy John will keep you looking and feeling cool all season long from lounging at home to summertime fun. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. With over 17 million pairs sold, people love their Tommy John underwear and loungewear. Me too. I happen to be wearing a pair of Tommy John underwear right now. I don't know how. I, that's two out of three of us. What an endorsement for Tommy John. Okay? Because it doesn't just make you feel cooler. You actually are cooler. You stay up to seven degrees cooler than cotton in Tommy John's Apollo underwear. Plus, there's no risk because you're covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Shop TommyJohn.com slash Glop right now for 20% off your first order. Get 20% off right now at TommyJohn.com slash Glop. TommyJohn slash uh, TommyJohn.com slash Glop. See site for details. You know, John, when... You say that it not only makes you feel cooler, makes you cooler. It's true. It's like when, when you wear Tommy John underwear, girls look at you like you're talking to Jake Gyllenhaal, even if you're not. It's just, <laughs> it gives off that, that sense of confidence. Like right. you're crying, even if you're not crying. <laughs> um, so I guess we have to talk about Amber Heard's ex. No, do we? Do we? Okay. Elon oh, Musk. Oh, 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 Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Elon Musk, um, who, of course, is now... One of the most important people in media. Is he, though? Okay, let me just point out that this individual guy assembles some kind of team behind him, but he is fronting a $44-$45 billion takeover individually of an entire social media platform. This is the first time, I believe, that any social media platform has essentially been bought by by somebody uh, who is not swallowing it up for the purpose of of stifling competition, which is what right. you know Mark Zuckerberg right. did uh, time and time again. Uh, this is a huge development. Um, mm-hmm. for one person basically guaranteeing a forty four billion dollar transaction. I- I'm not even sure I've ever heard of anything like that. 
I mean, usually it's a corporation yeah. buys yeah. something or it's a merger, you know, stock swaps and, right. the, you know, the SEC has to get involved in all of that. Right. And that is not what's going on here. Um, and I, I said that, that, that does not make yeah. him important. He's well, important. He though. is important anyway. No, but I, Look, I mean, he is one saying, of the most yeah. important people of the 21st century without yeah, but question. That's, I guess that's my point is that yeah. I, the, 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 he's a brilliant, brilliant brilliant guy and i have boundless admiration for him not boundless i had boundless admiration for him that is now bounded because i feel like this is a big mistake not taking it over necessarily and not having plans for it necessarily but financing it the way he did to hawk a company and when i say hawk i mean hawk tesla is in hawk he owes money to the bank. He doesn't owe money to shareholders. He's not, he's not financed by some other means. It's his personal money plus a loan with Tesla as collateral to buy Twitter, to buy a media company that is, that is reliant entirely upon advertising that needs to be totally overhauled if he's going to expand it. All the while, every quarter, this bank's calling him saying, where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? And if he doesn't give them the money, they get Tesla. He's trading, I think, a crown jewel for a McDonald's. That's, that's very interesting. I look at Twitter and I see something that at 40-odd billion dollars is actually wildly undervalued because it's been horribly mismanaged. It's been mismanaged for a decade. The stock price hasn't moved in not, in eight years. What's it supposed to do? Well, it can monetize itself. How? Okay. I, I listen. I'm no. No, I, not just monetize. He has to. His prop. The Twitter profits have to go up thirty percent. Yeah. When he takes over, in order for him just to make the interest payment. Okay. Let me let me put it to you this way. Or right? he loses Tesla. Okay. Let me share let me share this with you. One person on Twitter, Kim Kardashian, one person. Reports say that sh- this one person gets paid a million dollars a tweet to endorse something or to write a tweet about something. Okay? She's one person. There are hundreds, maybe even thousands of celebrities who are paid to use Twitter to endorse products. If Twitter got a 20% royalty on those being the host of those endorsements and you multiplied that million by, you know, 200 different celebrities who get in excess of $100,000 per tweet, you're, you're starting to talk about real revenue real fast. Maybe. Maybe. I just I'm feel just like, throwing that out. As I, one I feel like if you could throw that out. A, other things. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe everyone is so dumb over on Market Street in San Francisco, they haven't figured that out. But That's my right. guess is, But my guess is that there's more competition for ad dollars and more competition for revenue for that company, especially as a, an, I mean, if we have one more bad quarter, we are technically in a recession, ad revenues will go down. But the idea that you're going to bet a 30% increase on your revenue 
it, and if you don't make it, it isn't just you go back to the shareholders and say, okay, the share price is going to be in a tank for a while. Or you go back to your investors or your your junk bond holders and say, mm, sorry, this is the reason why they were triple C rated or whatever. No, you go to the banks and say, I guess you get Tesla. So that I to think, me seems foolhardy. I, I, if I may chime in, I think yes, that, uh, I think you guys are, for the, I'm more on Rob's side. I think Twitter is the Kobayashi Maru of social media. It's like the unsolvable, unwinnable, no win situation for monetizing it, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know how to make electric cars or giant tunnel machines or rockets either. So maybe he has some ideas that will monetize it and whatever, and more power to him. I mean, I, I, if he makes Twitter worse, that's just con- existing trends continuing. And if he makes it better, it's better. So I'm happy about it. I, and I, I get the free, I don't get the freak out about it, whatever. I think a, I just wrote about this today. I think Abe Greenwald had a definitive tweet on this where he said, um, people think Twitter, Twitter is the world. So they think Elon Musk is buying the world. I think that's the right mm-hmm. way to think about it. Right. But, you remember Peter Thiel's famous thing where he said, we wanted rocket cars, we wanted flying cars, and we got 140 characters, right? The, the, the thing that I find depressing about this is, on his own terms, Elon Musk wanted to make humanity an interplanetary species. Right. Elon Musk he wanted, wanted to terraform Mars. Yeah. He wants to terraform Mars. He says he wants to die on Mars. He says he is... He's like the first guy or the first major important guy. It's not fair to say he's the first guy. He's like the first like path-breaking, pioneering, innovator, inventor guy to actually tackle climate change in realistic terms by changing the means of production on the planet in terms of electric cars and earth-boring things and all of these kinds of stuff. And if you think of, if you take those things seriously on their own terms, like um, as I put it in the G file, you know, uh, taking, you know, taking the, the 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 testicle tanning of the entire planet to use it in Tucker Carlson terms right and um, and making this an interplanetary species and he's getting distracted by Twitter yeah like in a hundred or a thousand years from now he will not be remembered for the Twitter play unless it ruins Tesla or derails his trip to Mars I mean the old Apollo program used to have this phrase, waste anything but time. And if you think about the grandiose, massive world historical things that he had on his plate that he wanted to do, and instead, because he likes to dork around on Twitter, he's buying Twitter, even if he's like successful, if it shaves his accomplishments, if it, if it, if it delays his accomplishments by 10 years, it's not worth it. And it just, it seems like a, just a massive pointless distraction and an example of how Twitter siphons off people's energies and social media generally. And our total, our weird, creepy, weird obsession with media and how important it is and media, it's all that media and media and media and communications. You ask anybody about anything and they go, it's really about the messaging. It's really about the media. It's really about the, all that crap. It's not, not about the actual three-dimensionality of sending somebody into, into space, which is actually hard to do. Build a three-dimensional electric car. It's about the media. It's like, it's not, it's just really not. And I, I, I agree with you. I think you, it's you a look, weird you distraction. Could, you both could be absolutely right. Uh, one thing we know, though, is that conventional businessmen who make these kind of transactions, very often, you said, you know, uh, people on Market Street where uh, Twitter's headquarters are, I mean, they, they, they must know what they're doing. It's enor- there are enormous numbers of very, very, very successful, very rich people in media, not just in media, but everywhere, who don't know what they're doing. 
No, I agree right? with that. AT&T, agree with that. AT&T lost $80 billion by buying But you're making my argument. Warner. No, I'm not. You're making not. my argument. I'm not. You are. Because... You're telling, AT&T is a smart. Those are smart guys. And they thought they could figure out media. And they thought, oh, I'll just get in there and I'll fix it. Or and maybe they got they're in there, not smart guys. Maybe they're not that smart. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe Elon they Musk were in a business smart. that just is a fire hose of money that they happen <clears throat> to be standing next to and then believe that they were responsible for the fire hose and therefore could turn the fire hose on somewhere else and that that was stupid. Whereas Elon Musk is somebody who has not only started this one really successful electric car company, he's started a private rocket system that is also wildly successful and, and if he has this utter crazy you know um self-confidence that he can take this weird social media technology company and turn it into something that will be successful for him i i would give him the benefit of the doubt because he is well, putting listen, himself listen, on the line. I, I, That's I hope, all. And it doesn't hope, matter if we do or not, because he's either going to fail or succeed. I hope like, he succeeds, because uh-huh. I like him, and I admire him, as I said. But I think this is a mistake. I think he has. I think he's been deluded in a, in a very similar way to the way people at AT&T and Coca-Cola and Transamerica and all those other companies before have been deluded into seeing this thing that they like. I go to a lot of movies. I think I know about movies. You know, you had a bunch of like you had a bunch of executives say, I just saw a movie with my kid and we think it'd be funny if they were all wearing face helmets and they call up the director. That happens all the time. And they think they get it and they think they can figure it out because they're smart and I can figure it out. And they realize that it's actually this big old chaotic thing that probably Twitter was at its most at its highest growth phase when they didn't have to. They didn't have an AI. They right. didn't try to figure it out. The figuring it out is the problem. And it may be that this is just an ad-supported media business, in which case saying you're going to get 30% more in a year is, and then betting your other crown jewel against it is bananas to me. Okay, but in, all, in those other cases, they're, not, they're playing with the house money. You know, Stevenson, who, right. bought, who bought Warner Media, that's not his money. He, he's yeah. like playing around with this money like, like, Again, like, my like point. he's a chess when player. When they fail, but it's they just Musk's, say whoops. But it's Musk's money. And, and either he is a demented dilettante who has done something so unbelievably stupid that the world will record this as the dumbest single thing that's ever been done, or he sees something and is onto something that we don't entirely gronk. And either way, gronk, excuse me, either way, gronk is the uh, receiver for the New England Patriots or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) Either way, uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch, and it's going to be a lesson for the ages. I agree with that that entirely. And I think you can both be right, and I am still right. Right. That, John that, can be it's right a distraction. And he, can, he can make this thing sing <laughs> yeah. and make money for him, or at least not lose money and not lose Tesla. And it's still a waste of his time. Okay. And and at the same time, look, all of these people who think like there isn't going to be any content moderation on Twitter anymore are deluding themselves. Oh my God. Of course, <laughs> of course there's going to be content moderation. There's going to be more of it. There of course, there's going to be content moderation. There'll be that's more not, of it. There has to be more. That's of it. not the issue. It's just not going to be ideal. It's it's going to be de-ideologized content moderation, which is what it should be. Maybe, maybe you're, you're going to have the the most the preponderance of Twitter users are college-educated liberals, right? 
Twitter is entirely advertiser supported. You have to make the advertisers want to pay more now to reach that audience. There will be more. If Twitter looks like it's friendlier to people who are not just part of that group, there may be a change in its demographic. Maybe, but you need to, that's stepping stepping off one ice flow and jumping a faith-based jump to another. You have to, you have to convince advertisers to pay more to reach an audience that will be offended and the advertisers will do not want to be at risk. So they don't want to be next to a tweet that they find offensive. They want to, they're trying to go for safe. So there'll be more content moderation, not okay, less. Me, if what you're going for is an increase okay, in revenue. Okay, let me propose to you this possibility then. According to the terms of the deal, if Twitter does something to block the sale by November or Musk decides to pull out, either one or the other has to pay the other a billion dollars. Right. Musk is worth... Musk That's is now sofa change for him. The right. wealthiest person on earth. Right. If between now and November it becomes clear to him that he did something flighty and, 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 and he'll take the billion dollar loss. It's sort of like rather than take the, 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 the $40 billion loss. I don't lose the company. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll give Twitter a billion dollars and that will have been, and that will be, it's sort of like Bloomberg running for president. So Bloomberg ran for president. He spent a billion dollars. He got three delegates in American Samoa. That was hard. He is, he's worth $60 billion. Musk is worth a couple multiples of that, according to yeah. the stock prices. No, that's exactly so, right. Okay. So this is, it's just interesting. And I want to talk more about uh, you know, st- things that we do on the internet. But before we do that, uh, let me talk to you about a new advertiser ladder life insurance. Because with the rising cost of living, piling student debt, and the inordinate cost of buying a house... Living on autopilot can leave your kids or partner with a huge financial burden. On that note, it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones you love? If you're asking this question, choose Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital, no doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, just answer a few questions about your health and an application. You just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. There are no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime and get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by A and Best. Ladder's customers rate them four. 0.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they made Forbes' best life insurance 2021 list. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com slash glop today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash glop. Ladderlife.com slash glop. And we thank Ladder for sponsoring the glop podcast. So the other news that, that broke after, you know, since the last time we talked was this. Um, Netflix cataclysm uh, lost uh, customers, and apparently yeah. it's on the verge of losing two million others. And they're now and and uh, this was uh, greeted with horror. The market, the markets have decided that streaming is now in crisis. Uh, Netflix is now talking about doing advertising. Rob has been thinking about this and streaming and the problems of streaming forever. Uh, and I'm sure, and has uh, is writing going to write something about this for commentary for our upcoming issue. 
But I want to talk about one other thing in relation to this, which is maybe maybe streaming was dumb. Maybe maybe Netflix, you know, the whole play with Netflix was it was inevitably once there were as actually competition in the market that this Netflix model of spending unlimited amounts of money to garner market share without anybody else in the field was going to run head f- first into a giant brick wall once other companies actually took this seriously and went to try to get some piece of that market, right? And that's Disney Plus, which is a very good service. HBO Max, which is an excellent service. Uh, I'm staggered by the fact that the highest proportion of, you know, of like hits to programs uh, after a slow start is is Apple TV Plus, which has five or six shows just in the last two months that are fantastic. And it already had Ted Lasso in the morning. I mean, he had hits like Ted Lasso, but I mean, it's now stuff is like coming online, but Pachinko, Slow Horses, Severance, uh, some other stuff that is just kind of dazzling. Right. Uh, it won the Oscar with Coda. Um, and it's weird that at the moment that actually you can now definitively say that the future of American popular culture resides in and on these services and no longer in movie theaters i think it's definitively the case that that the movie that the movies as we understood them for a century are in their you know are now going slowly going the way of vaudeville or or some version of that what happened to vaudeville <laughs> it turned into burlesque and then it disappeared or something like that anyway but it's interesting cuz right now they've they finally reached uh, the fire again using the fire hose. The fire hose of watchable stuff is just awesome. Service after service programs you can watch movie stuff mm-hmm. after after like the the wellspring of garbage that was on Netflix for years. You just have mm-hmm. it's amazing how much good stuff there is, which causes a bizarre form of whining among the chattering classes. There's too much. There's too mm-hmm. much to watch. Like that's a problem. If if somebody said like there are too many good novels right. well, they being don't, published, but they don't mean they don't. Yeah, they don't really mean that. They mean that there's the um you're not wa- you're not watching what I'm watching, so I can't talk about it with you and tell you what I think and what you need to think about it. That's really what it is. Anyway, but so don't you think it's interesting that there's now a market crisis about streaming, and streaming has now it won an Oscar. You know, the streaming service won an Oscar. The streaming services win all the I Emmys. Guess. I don't know what, what's what, well. I mean, this is wasn't this all inevitable? I mean, I don't maybe I don't I don't know. I mean, I mean, Netflix knew this. This is part of their plan. They they knew it was a race against time, didn't they? They did. They they were racing and racing and racing until everybody else got their licenses back and uh, started their own services. They knew that was going to happen. They pretty much did exactly what they had to do. All of the extra stuff that we think now is like bloating Netflix is their their quote unquote library, um, because they don't have any other library because all the other studios have re- 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 recaptured their licenses back. Yeah, I mean, well, so right. So what, what, what made, Netflix what made doesn't Netflix? have? What made Netflix the Office what, and Friends? That's right, what's right, interesting, right? Right, right. But that that's what launched it. The only thing that Netflix, they have two weaknesses, right? Which they have to keep fighting. One is they don't have any pricing power. 
So there's no other place they can go to take a hit on their streaming side. They only have the streaming side. There's no other place they can go to promote their shows because they only have the streaming. They don't have any other thing. If they get a new show on Netflix, there's only one place to promote it. Two places. One is Netflix for, for free, which is very bad. And the second place is you got to buy it. You got to buy bus cards and billboards and that. And everyone else has got either a bunch of places to promote or they've got pricing power, right? If you're Disney, you have pricing power. If you're Warner Brothers, you have pricing power. Um, so that's a challenge for them. But that was always they. They always knew it. They never said it wasn't. They never. They never. They were never deluded, deluded about this. Maybe no, the, the market they, was deluded. I don't even know if the market was. Market but, analysts but, were deluded. Maybe, but it seemed mostly the sort of overheated press was because the people who write about media and about this stuff they're so dumb that they never focus. It's always whatever the shiny object is now. Um, but they were. They sort of knew that this was coming. I mean, they knew. They knew this was coming years ago when they would try to re up licenses and the. Studios that were granting them would say, no, no, listen, just so you know, when this off the office license is up, we're taking it back. Don't even call us to re-up that. We're not the answer is no. Don't we're not even gonna go have lunch with you. They knew this three years ago. I don't I I I, th- I find this stuff so overwrought. Um like next Netflix's mistake was making bad shows. That's it. You know, and if they had if they had come up with a bunch of really good shows, people wouldn't be leaving Netflix. But they took all the money that they were getting and they put it into bad shows or to get market share and all that. And um, and so their library is full of really crappy stuff. And the other problem they got is that 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 you you binge it all at once on Netflix, and so you can sign up for a month if there's one show you want to watch, watch it, and then unsign. Right, and right. and but like I don't see how any of this spells the death of streaming or any of that kind of no, stuff. No, none of it. Right. No, yeah, it's I, not about the death. It's all a question of what 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 the Netflix's growth was spurred by the idea by by the fact that its stock price was uh, it was insane. Right, it was selling it. It was thrown off an enormous amount of cash. Right. Se- well, that's not why. I mean, it was all this weird. It was like it was like well, there the was stock no price value comp- at seventy times its revenue. There was no present competition, and right. there was no clear competitor on the horizon. And they were the only ones. And it seemed like they had this market to themselves, right? And they did, and they did, they, they did for and, they and, did for. And 60, I don't even think five, it's bad shows. What, what's the bad shows? They have everything. They had good shows too. A year yeah. ago, everyone was talking about the number one show in the world, which is called Squid Game. Everyone was talking about the people couldn't stop talking about the Tiger King show, right? Like they had big the shows. Gambit. Ozark is one of the. Is, the is problem the, is that people yeah. have other things in a, in a recession. They have other things yeah. to pay for, and. Netflix has no other way to make money, which is why I always said they were going to have advertising and they will have advertising. It won't be an advertising tier. It'll be all over the place. Well, you see, that's where that's where there's this weird similarity to Twitter. Like in the end, Netflix, if Netflix has an algorithm that's serious, what they can do is do what we've heard where it was going to be done for 30 years and has been done piecemeal, but they can really do it, which is somehow you're watching a show right somebody's got a jacket is wearing a jacket you click on the jacket 
and you buy the jacket through and Netflix gets a cut or Netflix yeah. makes the jacket. I mean, we yeah, ain't hearing never going to happen. You don't think that's ain't ever going to happen? happen? Never going to happen. Okay. Okay. So two different I sides think... of your brain. People keep talking about that. Never going to happen. You people don't want to go shopping when they're watching a the show. They want to watch a show. Still, Netflix is a world historical company, and this is why. Netflix, uh, just like the internet itself, destroyed contemporary, sort of the structure of contemporary journalism. Netflix destroyed or has completely shuffled the deck or been the disruptor in the world of American, and maybe world entertainment, but certainly American entertainment. Because all of the priors that existed before Netflix are now, are now gone. That movies are, you know, that, that, that uh, movies are the most prestigious form of, uh, it's what you want to do. If you're a creative person, the highest thing is a movie, right? That's, that's gone. That's over with now forever. Uh, Movie stars see no difference. Now it's a really good tweet. Yeah. Um, no, but if you think about it, like, you know, there was this kind of, it's weird. The movie business essentially was the same business from about 1920 until about 2015. Yeah, I know. You know, it was like seven or eight studios. Right. But isn't, I mean, producers. Is this new? Separate from, is this, does this feel new to you? This, this, what is new about this? Have no, what's been new, this for the what's past new I think, is that crea- something happened in the last two years creatively where. I speak as somebody who has been obsessed with movies my entire life, has written about movies for 40 years, and I could take or leave going to a movie theater again, not because I don't, I love going to movie theaters, but because the fare in movie theaters is now less involving to me than the stuff I can watch on streaming. I mean, uh, maybe that's in part because of the crisis of the pandemic, but I don't think it's in part, it's, it's because of the pandemic. After sort of five or six years of development and Netflix sort of like throwing money at the at creative talent, it like the, the way that it threw money at Hollywood to completely upend the financial structure of the creative side of the business um, and, and, and make people think differently about it who, who actually make their livings at it, um, they have degraded the importance of both movies of movies broadcast television and cable television and created some new you know some new symbiotic i don't know what it's going to be but but the world has been upended and netflix is really the cause of the upending okay that's all i'm saying so even if it fails and i agree with you like yeah squid game cost 50 million dollars or something i i feel like we i I, yeah okay okay so i'll read another ad then because you're (laughs) You're not enjoying this conversation. Uh, let me find. Okay. Uh, so um, is this my ad? No, I, I got an ad here, but it, it it wants me to say something that I can't really properly say. So uh, let's say you think you know your mom better than anyone, and one day you're chatting and you hear a story you've never heard before. Maybe that leads you to think, how many other stories don't I know about my life, my family, the people I love? That's why you could get your mom's story worth. Story worth is an un- online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and preserving them for years to come. Every week, Story Worth will email 
your loved one a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, or you may never have thought of, like, what's some of the best advice your mother gave you? Or if you were to do it all over, what would you do differently? Reading your loved one's answers to these questions, you'll learn stories and memories you never knew, learn new things about stories you thought you did know, and after one year, StoryWorth will compile all those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. So this Mother's Day, give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you'll save $10 off your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash glop. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-R-T-H dot com slash glop to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash glop and we thank Storyworth for sponsoring the glop podcast now that's uh, a movie actually that's a series really story worth mm-hmm. eight episodes 10 up how many 10 disney disney does six uh you know netflix does eight hbo max seems to do 10 should we talk about what we're watching since we're all talking do 10 theory? You do ten story words. I would do ten story words. I would absolutely. I think ten, uh-huh. I think ten story words would be good, right? People, what would be funny you're, is you're if, doing if, this if thing, your mom told you like really really horrible stories about you know her about her her drug use and yeah, and, and or she just looks out the window and goes, and, wait, yeah. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I always hated husband. your father. That or kind just, of thing. Wait a minute, that was my fir- that was my first husband. <laughs> and then and then you're like, what? It's just nothing. Well, that's what you know. Did you ever read that great Wall Street Journal article on? Um, Ancestry.com. Yeah, and the, even the, where everybody discovers that they're not the actually, customer service people. Yeah. yeah. And they, they usually double and triple them uh, or right around Christmas time because everybody gets them on Christmas time. And the training was like people get this kit at Christmas time and everybody's doing it. And um, and then everybody gets it messed up and like, I do I scrape here? Like it's all about how to put the thing in the package and you know. And then three months later they get the results or whatever it is. And that's when the calls come in. There's, there's clearly a mistake <laughs> with your machines because your machines made an error that says that I am not my, my father's son. Yeah. And, my, yeah. yeah. and the customer service people were not trained. They're only trained to tell you how to think the thing, how to scrape your thing, how to fold it up and send it back. And so they had to do extra training <laughs> for the, well, now the machines are pretty accurate. Um, Here's how we do it. You might want to have a conversation. Talk to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe you should do StoryWorth instead. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just yeah, do StoryWorth story and do Ancestry.com. Yeah, just exactly. to confirm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, Jonah. Uh, yeah. I always thought that would be a good yeah. show, too. Like the Ancestry.com show. Jonah, you are a enormous consumer. I would say media content like you. I, Thank I'm God stunned. he finished I, that. I thought for a no, minute. But I, I'm, I'm also I'm 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 stunned often by by just just how capacious you're you know how how much you know or how much you've participated in let's say the streaming culture. So let's say the last <laughs> six weeks, what what's what's really engaged you? Because because um, uh, there's just so much all of a sudden. I'm very upset about the end of The Last Kingdom, although they're going to make a movie spinoff. I think The Last Kingdom is fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like Rob says, there's all this great stuff on, on Netflix. Eh, I, I, I look around on it. I don't see much of it. Um, I haven't decided whether I liked Severance as much as you did, John. Um, um, I'm watching Better Call Saul, which I love, you know, with a passion. 
But um, you're setting me up for like coming up with some no, obscure thing. I not at all. I didn't. I, mean, I didn't. No, honestly, I didn't. That wasn't my. That wasn't my. Uh, I mean, wasn't you, my have you guys watched Raised by Wolves? Uh, I watched three. I think three episodes of it, and I liked it. And then I got. I got. I got interfered with. Yeah, it's it's weird. It yeah. is the weirdest sci-fi yeah. series ever made. Yeah. Um, uh, and I can't say I enjoyed it. I just couldn't look away. What was genuinely terrible, and what, what Matt Bellany, who now writes for Puck and was at the Hollywood Reporter before that, says is likely the single biggest flop in the history of show business is Apple TV's Foundation series based on the uh, Isaac Asimov novels, which is which is a complete which is in terms of viewership flop. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Like Apple doesn't release numbers, but um, yeah. there's every reason to believe that they spent a billion dollars on this show and that like twenty thousand people watched it. Yeah, wow, something like close to a billion dollars, apparently. Oh, well, a lot um, of it, I have to admit, did end up on the screen. It's um, all on the screen except with the story, which is yeah, just yeah, yeah. terrible, and it's a really, but really, if, really having never read the book. Um, yeah, uh, it um, it didn't well, bother you, me as much. Right, put it that way. But I just thought, having read the book or not read the book, it was it was just bad. It was just. It was I watched it to the end because I oh, was just sort of like, okay. yeah, like where, where are the hell going with this kind of thing? And then, uh, but now I, I agree, it wasn't. It was not great. Um, Rob, have you, know, you watched Slow Horses? Yes, I have, and it's great. It's, it's great. So good. It's great. I haven't it's finished great. it, so no spoilers. It's, you know what? It's it's I think it's one and a half episodes too long. Hmm. Interesting. I can see that. I mean, I can see that you could have made this as a movie. Like it could have been a two-hour yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really like the, I like the long form. I just kind of like oh, you know, really one more, really, really one more. Well, because so. it's kind of a slow build to the. What's interesting about it is that it's got this star performance by Gary Oldman. Oh, as God, this. he's so good. He's good at he everything. He's so he's amazing. Great, great he's good, but, they, yeah. uh, but the the structure of the structure of the show <laughs> is to let him gradually take it over. Right. Yeah. First episode, he's barely in it. Second episode, you get, and by the by the end, it's his yeah. story. The story of how will, he is going to. I want to give one yeah. thing away because I loved it so much. It's not a plot point. Yeah. It's not a plot point, but it's a moment. There's a moment, a crisis moment. And the team is the, all the team, you know, the, the hearty band of like losers and misfits. And he goes, look, I may not see you guys again. So I want to say this to you. Have a minute. <laughs> You're all useless. And I can't think of anybody <laughs> I'd wor- rather less be with. <laughs> I just hated every minute. And he's walking away with his, you know, the guy he's walking away with. He says that you're trying to motivate them, right? Says, no, I was really being truthful. Yeah. And he says it's so straight. And so is not kidding. Yeah. The character is not kidding. He's not being adorable. He's being, I hate you people. I hate this moment in my life. And it's great. It's just so great. And they deserve it. The whole point of they the totally show deserve is it's it. about, it's about a rubber, you know, uh, people yeah, know this term from New York right. city schools. This is where they send you. It's about the place where they send you when you've disgraced yourself as an MI five agent, but for reasons that right. we don't the really rubber understand. Room doesn't mean magic Johnson's closet, which no. is just full of rubber. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been watching Winning Time. Oh yeah, which is also great. But (laughs) that is, I love Winning Time. But anyway, so it's this this team of disgraced spies who are just marking time in this, you know, 
out of the way building and you know in a, in a crappy neighborhood in london and then and then uh, they end up inadvertently getting themselves involved in a in a terrible conspiracy case uh at at you know, at British intelligence. And, um, but the point is they are all losers except for two of them. Two of them are not. One of them was sent there on, uh, for bad reasons. And one of them was sent there to watch the bad, the one who was sent there for bad reasons to keep an eye on him, to make sure that he, right. he doesn't sort of just uncover the truth about himself. No, and it's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, but can I change topic for a second? Yes. I, I, so and that's sick. on Apple TV Plus. And, that and I, I, I had not watched the Batman yet. I know we're not supposed to talk about super superhero movies, but just I had this just like I have a, I have a high I don't have David French levels of tolerance for superhero movies, but I have a high tolerance for superhero movies. Wait, there's more than yours? Oh my gosh! <laughs> David French kidding? affirmatively loves Bat- Aquaman. Yeah. Um. So. Like he'll actually say in defense of Aquaman, where else can you see an undersea battle, people riding sharks, shooting lasers? And okay, I am I am now on the other side now. I've been defending David French. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm you are now, now Sora Bamari. You are I, now totally. Sora Bamari. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag, so uh, yeah. But all right. So anyway, uh, like I actually like the the TV show Gotham too. I thought it was campy and weird and funny, and they did some interesting things with it and all that. But and one of the things I like about the Dark Knight movies is they actually take this sort of the, Nolan successfully takes this sort of like the old Greeks notion of the polis, you know, like as the so self-contained political entity and all that kind of stuff. But you watch the Batman and you're just like, how crappy does the rest of America have to be? That no one, that anyone doesn't just move out immediately. Yeah, it's just a crap hole. You know, like you can get murdered at any moment by psychopaths. It's just like you won't, you don't want to move to Metropolis. You know, like like Superman can protect you there. It's sunny. It's just at some point, it just doesn't kind of work. The other really interesting thing is that uh, you can make a living as a cat burglar a really successful cat burglar, but apparently you only do that while you're working as a waitress. Right. And living in a crappy apartment. (laughs) Like if you're a cat burglar, don't you like make a lot of money as a burglar and therefore you shouldn't have to work from like eight to four, you know, 8 PM to 4 AM in some disgusting bar run by mafiosi. Like that's that's the single i mean there are many things wrong with that movie Uh, i mean every villain for some reason is some kind of frustrated theater kid i know i'll have a character (laughs) character i steal the jewels like really no i'm in character now i'm whatever (laughs) i mean it is it is you know uh, the kind of nolan envy of that movie which is you know the dark knight uh you know creates this absolutely terrifying villain in the joker who is just a force of chaos and nihilism and and uh and and nolan like he crushed it like it was a it was a it was a triumph of storytelling and even sort of moral framing and all of this and now you got this movie where it's like i'm going to have somebody who's sort of like the joker but He's kind of not really. He's kind of the Riddler, but he's kind of the Joker. But he's the mass murder. But and he's got and then he's got incels following him. And 
It's like, you know, we saw the best version of this like 11 years ago. Right. Like the like do something else. Also, just the the props don't work. It's like um people have rotary phones and computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a lot of yeah. weird sort of Well, that's my favorite you, thing about yet you boys yeah. running out to see this movie. I just saw it. No, I only <laughs> saw it. I yeah, he saw it on <laughs> HBO Max. I had to it. review it. But, you know, it's uh, my, well, I had to review it. I, can I, I make one point about the Star Wars stuff now? So <laughs> yeah, why not? Why stop at the superheroes? <laughs> no, you why, love Star Wars. Why stop now? Don't you, We've already you, we entered went this. and saw one of the one of the seven, eight, nine. I can't remember which one. And like two, you and I saw it at two o'clock in the morning, the night it opened. So don't you invite pretend me. like don't pretend like you don't love Star Wars. No, here's the comedy. You were of, nice of to the, rob a dog the, once, so he had to go. Well, right <laughs> of the Star Wars shows. Here's the comedy, which is they decided for reasons that elude me that while everything was going to be, they have new ships and you know the mandalorian flies a ship everywhere and the the baby yoda flies a ship and all this that nonetheless they retain the radar pong like that's like a (laughs) pong game from the first star wars movie from the death star blow up thing that's the display that they have in these hyper modern new ships it's like they're all they're all navigating the universe using Pong. Can, can I play something they, for you? That's what they decide. Yes, go ahead. No, no, keep talking. I'm just. I'm no, that's it. Basically, um, I I found this. This made me. This is wild. Okay, this is the sound of the. I guess the 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 probe. That was a dramatic pause. What I said, probe. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, circling or bypassing Ganymede. Mm-hmm. What is it really? I don't know if the probe is called Ganymede or that the uh, is the no. There's like the a planet. Isn't there a moon or an asteroid? Called? Moon. Yeah. 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 So this is what it sounds like, right? This is what it sounds like. There's no sound. Yeah. Listen. It's 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 R two D two. That's what that's what the probe sounds like, or what Ganymede yeah. sounds like. This is what the probe is sending back. Excellent. Yeah. You can't understand that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it's supposed to sound. You just need a, you know, a, a, a Mr. Sulu, a, eject the <laughs> photon torpedo. It'd be so much better if it sounded exactly like the old AOL dial-up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. so we, lo- we, all love, we all love slow horses. Uh, uh, Jonah and I love Winning Time, which is actually on HBO, yeah. uh, though I've been watching it on HBO Max which is the show about the Lakers. Very interesting detail, though. So there's this bizarre portrait of the great basketball legend, Jerry West, uh, who was coach of the Lakers, after being you know, one of the great players of all time, was the coach of the Lakers in the late 70s, uh, who is basically portrayed as this, like, hothead, near psychopath, though as yeah. the show goes on, his character deepens. And... Um, uh, Jerry like, West is a was a, a troubled, sad uh, person, like unable to really enjoy. It, it was too stressful for him to be a basketball coach and all this. But I mean, apparently, this is just this has no, does not comport with reality. He never threw things around. He didn't scream at people. The only thing that he apparently did that was really wrong was he didn't want them to draft Magic Johnson. And so, um, and this is an interesting thing because I think in the end, the portrait of him is actually quite. Um, as the show goes on, it be, he becomes a much more layered and sympathetic character in the later episodes. 
Um, but I, I just I don't think you can do that. You can't slander a living person that way. Like I'm turn surprised him, how they're treating a lot of people. Huh? I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised how they're treating. Like I mean, like if I were like, I know Magic Johnson's story is a little out there, but like, like they're treating a lot of people like they were jerks and scuzzy people. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's all accurate, but I kind of. I'm surprised because you had to have some sort of participation from NBA and whatnot to do this. We use people's real names and all that kind of stuff. No, apparently not because they're, because they're, they're, they're um, public public figures. figures. Yeah, I guess. But I, I I just, I think as a moral matter. Yeah. uh, I actually went and I I read, uh, I went and read Jerry West's autobiography, which I think is part of the source of the, you know, some of this, uh, stuff about how unhappy he was. He had a terrible childhood. His father was incredibly abusive. Um, you know, he very, um, uh, withdrawn emotionally, all of that. This is what he says about himself. But, um, you know, you can't turn somebody into a psychopath who wasn't a psychopath. Like that's, that's not right. I mean, whether or not Jerry West sues, um, Adam McKay and the people who made the show should be ashamed of themselves, even though I will say that Jason Clark, who was playing him and the character dynamic created by it is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's just immoral. I mean, I know you're making Rob's making a face because it's like I'm talking about morality, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it's you know, natural. When anybody says something's immoral, I do this. Come on. But you know, but, yeah, <laughs> come on. You kind of, you don't do that. Yeah. I don't send him a basket like of muffins. You're not supposed to do that. Tomorrow, I'm going to send him a basket of little muffins and a nice note, and they're going to give him one of those Darden restaurant gift cards. He can go to any of the Darden restaurants. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> Write him the thing. We'll send him a T-shirt. He'll be fine. Anyway, I mean, I, I, you know, so there's been a lot of like criticism. Of Kareem Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was also, I think, quite brilliantly treated in the show. Says he doesn't like it. He thinks it's boring. I think he stopped watching it because the first portrait of him was that he was very withdrawn and not very kind. And then he turns into a very deep character as the show goes on. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, I I just think it's it's very discomforting, um, you know, because I didn't know that what I was seeing wasn't the real Jerry West. And and tens of millions of people aren't going to know either. Um, but I do think that the character that would be a, be a good is, that'd be a good outcome. He is tens so, of millions of people. It's good. He's so uncomfortable that he really could have used an X chair. Because if he had an X chair, his body would immediately have said, "Oh, this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like," and then he would have been in a better mood. He would have looked forward to sitting in his office. He would have had an office chair that gave you gave him a massage while he was working. He had a, could have an office chair that would heat him up or cool him down with that Elmax massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once he felt the customized supportive X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL. He'd never be happy in any other chair again. So that's high performance. That's quality engineering, extreme comfort. These are all the reasons Jerry West would have loved the X chair had it existed when he was the coach of the Lakers in the late 70s. Uh, take my advice. Be what 
don't let yourself turn into the Jerry West, the fictional Jerry West of, of winning time. Try X chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your share should be, you'll never go back, I promise. Go to xchairglop.com now. That's letter X, the word chair, G-L-O-P.com, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. There's a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairglop.com. Com. So we we got to go. Anybody? Um, uh, I, I, I had an important question to ask, and it's now completely uh, slipped, slipped my mind. Oh, okay. Very quickly, politically. So this week, I've been going on a total rampage on my own podcast. One one day, I said that Joe Biden was a, the defining quality of Joe Biden was that he was a fool, and the next day, I said basically that the White House staff was stupid. Do you think that this kind of ad hominem? Talking is is uh, that I've that I've I've slipped the surly bonds of earth and simply become like a troll. I ask you, you've been listening, Jonah. Does it is it? Do you think these are fair analyses? Uh, I don't think you become a troll. Um, I think, um, I think sometimes you you're a little too close to it. The problem is is that. Biden does an incredibly large number of stupid things. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I just saw, you know, they're like, look, are you, it's a tiny example, tiny, but like Biden's got huge political problems, right? Country went into economic contraction, right? Inflation, all that stuff, right? This is when the administration announces it's going to like try to crack down or ban menthol cigarettes. Like, Is that going to attract more voters, you know, right. among crucial constituencies? You know, coming up? I know I, there's just all he, he's gotten into this point where or they've gotten into this point where I, I, I think that they are utterly trapped in their sort of Twitter cocoon, very online bubble in much the way I think DeSantis is. But DeSantis handles it a hell of a lot better. And he's in the opposition. But um, no, I'm not, like, uh, um. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot on whether yeah, or not you should uh, criticize me for, 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 no, no, for I mean, like, I just, but, I, but it's like, you know, saying, saying, you know, saying he's stupid. Uh, but I didn't say I he was stupid. I said Klain was stupid and oh, okay. that he's a fool. Let me put it that way. The reason, Fair the enough. only reason I say this, and Rob, this is, the reason that I say this is that they keep doing things and then you think, well, they, they must know what they're doing. And then it turns out they just don't know what they're doing and that yeah, right. things have a con, they have these consequences that you assumed that they'd gamed out and had therefore decided that they were going to try to avoid. And then they, they don't like the GDP number goes bad, right? They, it's a, it, it drops yeah. by 0.4% of GDP. And they say that the problem is technical, which is the bizarre callback to the, oh, inflation is transitory. Like you want to sound like you're out of touch. You say, you know, that number that we reported that the government, the macroeconomic number, it isn't really, that's not really a number. It's kind of a technical. So wait, so what, what, what we, so I, so I I just want to know whether you think that Joe Biden is a fool and that whether the white house is white house staff. No, I, I think, I don't know what fool and stupid. I just think incompetent and, and incompetent. I find in a surprising way, because I assumed that, you know, these people 
um, all sort of were circling around, if not inside, a fairly organized, I mean, I disagree with it, but a fairly buttoned up organized White House under Obama. Um, and the trick to being, as you know, Jim Baker would always say, to being a chief of staff was um, you had to coordinate. You just coordinated everything. So uh, when you're in the White House, you don't know. You're not like every day somebody doesn't tell you that we're going to ban menthol cigarettes. That just somehow happens on 12 hours before. It's just that you got to coordinate everything. And there's got to be one or two people who say, well, you know what? We're not going to ban menthol cigarettes on Tuesday because it's going to look like all we care about are menthol cigarettes instead of what we care about is the fact that the economy is underwater. So we're not going to do that. And you just need that's what coordination is. What's the chief of staff supposed to do? And he's got an incompetent chief of staff. He is, I think, an out to lunch president just by the fact that he's old and um and then you discover the weaknesses in your staff i don't i don't think it's stupid or not stupid i just think it's yeah, just uh, really really bad at the job and it kind of shows you the problem with a party and um uh, where where the 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 uh, available talent pool is made up of you know zealots and you know political activists rather yeah. than people who get things done I think they would improve themselves enormously if they switched all their TVs, which are clearly tuned to MSNBC all day, yeah. and just simply switch it to Fox all day. And look, Lord knows I have my yeah. criticisms of Fox, but they would at least hear things that puncture their bubbles rather than reinforce them, which is right. what everything that they do, like, you know, like Jen Psaki thinks her job is to act like an MSNBC commentator and right. like that doesn't get them votes well, and my point right. about menthol cigarettes is as much got her more, a job though that is her job now but my right. point about menthol cigarettes is like people who are still smoking menthol cigarettes right now really want to be smoking menthol cigarettes right they've heard all the warnings and they're <laughs> and they are all the their the policies on terms it's because african-americans just are the basically the market for menthol cigarettes telling a whole bunch of people who I guarantee you, we all know smokers or have been smokers, whatever. We're going to take away your cigarettes <laughs> is not is, is not the way you get more votes <laughs> going into the midterms. See, I think even more striking than that is the fact that he appears to be handling or the White House appears to be the administration appears to be handling Ukraine with surprising competence and seriousness. Agreed. Agreed. And they could market that by silencing most everything else. In other words, mm -hmm. they could say, look, there's a world crisis going on. Europe is at risk. This is the most important thing in the world. Biden is spending yeah. five hours a day on this. That's what he's doing. And look how he's kept the world unified. We're all so thrilled with the hero heroism of the Ukrainian people. We're doing what we can. We're having meetings at the White House with bipartisan meetings and blah, 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 blah. And then he would actually get some of the reflected glory oh, I agree. Of, I agree. of the fight in Ukraine. But like, they don't know that because the people that they talk to are like, war is bad and you know okay we're all supportive of ukraine but you know i mean we don't want to really and what about let's forgive student loans like what like where are you why are you focusing on this now i mean I think we know they're doing it because they're desperate because they're so worried that the youth vote isn't going to show up in november but i don't think that's the way you're going to get the youth vote out but again i think that's stupid but maybe i'm wrong but i don't think i'm wrong you know what i think <laughs> what i gotta go yeah, I got to go, too. I got to go, too. All right. Schmader. Rob, a pleasure. Always. And we will be back. Okay.